What's up, NBA fans? We are about a month away from the start of the NBA season and just a couple weeks away from the start of the preseason. Things are starting to ramp up fast as rosters are being rounded out. Really just the final touches and some surprising re-signings happening. Aaron Gordon getting the bag just this week. John Wall mutually agreeing to part ways with the Houston Rockets and we say goodbye to Marcus Gasol. Uh, and alongside that, we're breaking down the Southeast Division previews this podcast. Uh, we're continuing our roundabout across the NBA and previewing the 2021-2022 NBA season. This podcast episode, the Southeast, the Atlanta Hawks, the Miami Heat, the Hornets, the Washington Wizards, and the Orlando Magic. Um, but before diving into all those, Sean, we got to start off the podcast by saying goodbye to Marcus Gasol, who... All signs now point that he will officially retire as a Grizzly as this, his buyout just completed today. So looks like he's off to Spain and maybe saying his last goodbye, very likely to, to the NBA season. A guy who, as a Laker fan, I actually really wanted him to stay on the roster, give it another swing. But unfortunately, he, he his decision was somewhere else. Uh, his last year averaged five points and still an impressive 40%. From three, so we would definitely would have needed that, but Marcus Ol knows what's best. But he's one of my all-time favorite players, so bittersweet saying goodbye to this guy. Yeah, and I'm sure you love him because of not really his performance for the Lakers, but what he was able to get you guys <laughs> just a, <laughs> just about a decade ago, huh? <laughs> right, exactly. Marcus Ol, yeah, he's only played one year with the Lakers, but had a very I'd, I'd say impactful uh, career for Laker fans. I'd say for one, <laughs> yes, he helped us land Pau Gasol. And then in those years when the Lakers were just terrible, Marc Gasol and the Memphis Grizzlies did some damage to Laker rivals, the Spurs, uh, <laughs> the Warriors. Uh, I guess you could call the Clippers. The Clippers had some touch, tough yeah, matchups with the Grizzlies. With Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah but that's a really me, roundabout way of looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> I may be one of the few people thinking about it that way. But when them, this Memphis team upset the Spurs, I was so happy that it <laughs> happened to them. And, oh and they came gosh. back and gave the Spurs another tough year after year. Every time it was Spurs, Grizzlies, uh, it was a tough one for the Spurs. And I love to see that that team suffer, especially during those years. <laughs> man, Marcus all helping the Lakers out through thick and thin, man, not even playing for them. And then, I mean, winning a championship or I guess, yeah, he wanted to win a championship with them, but it just didn't pan out quite right. that way. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm glad that the Lakers did good by him. I think that DeAndre Jordan transaction was really the nail in the coffin that right met marcus all wasn't really gonna play for this team and if you're not gonna play for this team it, it, he'd be better off hanging out with his brother pow in spain and it's just a better life for him so yeah i'm I, yeah i mean he didn't really do much for this lakers team but in a way he did uh so yeah. a bit yeah a little bit of a bittersweet goodbye for for lakers fans yeah i think i would have wished to see marcus all uh, have a bit more of an impact, but the Andre Drummond signing also left him with a bitter taste, I think, yeah, in terms of his Laker one, yeah. experience. Mm -hmm. I think there was an opportunity for Marcus Gasol to really, um, you know, get more comfortable with those lineups, but people were in and out. Drummond came in, and I don't think Marcus Gasol was ever really the type of big that Frank Vogel wanted to throw out there for most for bigger parts of the game. I think Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan are more the type of bigs that Frank Vogel wants to have 
at the center spot if it's not Anthony Davis. Right. Yeah. Which is it's funny because yeah, a lot of Laker fans thought Marcus All was going to be a good fit for this team, but yeah, no coaching styles and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he wasn't going to be part of this year's scheme at all. So it's for the best. Right. Three years a little too late. But he still has his NBA champion ring with the oh, yeah. Raptors. But he got his. Moving on from there, we got Aaron Gordon. Huge payday. Four years, $92 million. Man, wow. this is huge, especially considering that they had already put the bag out for Will Barton. Obviously, they got Michael Porter Jr. assigned as well, Jamal Murray. For being a small market team, they last year let Jeremy Grant walk. And a lot of it was you know, hindered on the fact that potentially they probably just couldn't match the offer that a uh, a cap-free team like the Pistons were able mm-hmm. to offer that summer. But when you break these down, Jeremy Grant's three-year $60 million is significantly less than this 92 four-year million, four-year $92 million contract that Aaron Gordon got. There's a year difference here. Jeremy Grant one year more uh, older than Aaron Gordon. So, the age thing may not find the, be the, the thing here, but still, I'm a bit shocked that uh, the the Nuggets actually managed to to get this deal done and offered this much money. Definitely overpaying, but you know when there's an absence of choices, the, definitely the the leverage goes towards the player, and the Denver Nuggets just really don't have any other choice. There's not really much player, another player, the equivalent of Aaron Gordon for them to sign, I think, or attract. So. You just got to pay it up and to keep that core going. I guess so. I mean, Aaron Gordon comes in the second half of last season, and it seems mm-hmm. like he's a decent fit for this team, but I never really felt like Aaron Gordon really moved the needle that much. Like, no. we, saw, we saw him play for this team in the playoffs. It, it, he didn't do anything spectacular. I mean, his numbers definitely took a dip from his Orlando days, too, and... Mm-hmm. This is a lot of money for a guy that you're really looking at as your third, maybe your fourth option on the team on the offensive side. This, I mean, he's a good defender. I, I don't think he's that good of a defender to pay him this much money. Uh, he, you lock him down for the rest of his prime, I suppose. But the timing of this makes no sense to me at all, because if you look at the Nuggets roster, from top to bottom, you look at the money that they have to give out to players. Putting this on the books for next year puts them over the cap already. Mm-hmm. And Michael Porter Jr.'s contract expires at the end of this season. So are the Nuggets basically with this move saying, we have no intention of bringing back Michael Porter Jr. before he even gets to play this season and see what he's really become now that he's going to be the second scoring option this year with Jamal Murray out for likely most if not all of this season what if he averages 25 points a game what if, what if he's a 40 percent three-point shooter and what if he improves his defense are you not going to be able to sign this guy or are you just going to go that deep into the luxury tax to pay michael porter a similar if not more than this contract that you give to aaron gordon i feel like the potential for michael porter is so much greater too yeah, it's 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 an oddball one here, um, especially like looking at the playoff, his playoff performance, Aaron Gordon, nine points a game, Ugh. 30 minutes of play, uh, didn't make a single three, 40 percent <laughs> from shooting. And you're right. He his, he did take a dip once he came on this roster in terms of points per game, overall production 
on this Denver Nuggets team. I think they're really banking on the shot that Aaron Gordon here will be a def- their big defensive piece uh, to really lock down any any guy that that is thrown out there in, from the Western Conference of LeBron James, um, any of these guys that Devin Booker's of the world and all these dudes. I think they're really relying that Aaron Gordon will be that big defensive stopper for them in the playoffs. If it's not this year, next year when they go all in, I think, and they bring back a healthy Jamal Murray. Well, that's the thing. Are you going to have mm-hmm. Michael Porter Jr. next year? Are you just giving yeah. up on Michael Porter Jr.? I mean, we've seen this guy. Looks like he has amazing potential. Right. Maybe they know something we don't. Maybe his back injuries are becoming more serious and harder to keep in check. So there's a lot of question marks here with this move. I honestly think this this speaks to a larger picture that I don't I just don't understand. You know, they're yeah. like it, from just like a purely just looking at the numbers from watching the games last year. I don't see any reason why the Nuggets wouldn't want to bring back Michael Porter Jr. And I don't see any reason why Michael Porter Jr. wouldn't demand at least this amount that they've given Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. Like, who would you argue is more important to this team, Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr.? Oh, Michael Porter Jr. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure most people would answer that way. And are you gonna? You can't pay this man 25 million. You don't have any any money left. I mean, sure, you could go really deep into the luxury tax, but the Nuggets are not really known for being a team that goes that far into the luxury tax to keep their good players. I mean, I think a lot of people would even consider them a small market team uh, with the way they operate. So this is very odd to me. Is very odd. I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, there is there is a world where Michael Porter Jr. does come back, and that world equals luxury tax. So it's not like oh, it's impossible for them. Tax. A but lot. If this team is willing to go into the luxury tax, and they can bring back Michael Porter Jr. via bird rights. But the thing that makes it all confusing to me is if you were always going to be willing to go into that luxury tax, why didn't you re-sign Jeremy Grant when you had the chance last year? Right. Or yeah. he really just did not want to be there. That's sort of one of my one of my head scratches for this, you know, and alongside the the Michael Porter Jr. equation there too. But I just feel like the Michael Porter Jr. just means that this this franchise has already made the choice that they're going to go deep into the luxury tax and bring mm. back Porter Jr. No way they let him go. But then I would be shocked. Why, <laughs> yeah, why not have signed my uh, Jeremy Grant when you had the yeah. chance? Would you Would you rather have Jeremy Grant than uh, Aaron Gordon? Yes. Day. yeah, yeah. I, I mean i think I, I think i would just too. Yeah. Defender, great defender yeah yeah so it, maybe this is them just being like well we messed up by not resigning mm-hmm. jeremy grant that was a poor business decision let's not make the same mistake again but unfortunately we don't get as good of an option this time around but let's not make the same mistake again and let this guy walk for nothing um yeah let's let's keep him around but i mean yeah you paid him more than jeremy grant got it's it's just bad on all fronts man just Um, quite the sting especially yeah do not like it yeah and i think jeremy grant's headed towards one of the best years of his career next year i'm not saying he'll be an all-star but i wouldn't be surprised if he's right there on the fringes yeah cade's cade's gonna set him up well (laughs) yeah we'll we'll see how it goes but i think this man's due for a big one and i'm not sure mm. aaron Go- i think aaron we've already seen the better days of aaron gordon i'm not sure yeah, there's just i just don't see any path to him getting back to like being an 18 point a game guy not on this team yeah so you basically overpaid for a very talented 
primary defender. Yeah, primary. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but in this case, it just doesn't feel like they had any choice. I think it's the absence mm. of choice here that really led to this. That's just um, so much money, though. So much money for that. Exactly. In terms of absence of choice for John Wall, there mm. is that's not in existence. John Wall has decided to mutually with the Houston Rockets to mutually agree to find a new home for him. So. I'm not sure where John Wall could go. There is a lot of money still left to pay uh-huh. this guy. And this is a guy who shows flashes of all-star potential and then has to take the next two games off. And it's just this <laughs> recurring pattern of really head-scratching, you know, I don't want to say performances, but like really head-scratching in terms of, is it really, what are you going to get from this guy? Like he can't really stay healthy. 40 games last year out of 72 I mean, and the numbers look good, 20 points a game, almost seven assists a game, um, uh, 40%, well over 40% shooting. I mean, this is decent production, but he's there and then he's not. It's mm-hmm. tough to rely on a guy like this. So I'm not entirely sure who could actually make a move to get this guy. Right. And it's not even really about production. It's about that money, man. 44 yeah. million, 44 million this season. I believe 46 million the year after that. 47. 47. <laughs> that is that is Steph Curry, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James type of money that you're you're yep. going to be paying this guy. And 20.7 assists is nice, but it's not that nice. And no. teams are just going to struggle to make that salary match mm-hmm. unless you're the Oklahoma City Thunder. But the Rockets have already stated that they don't want to give up draft capital to offload John Wall's contract. Good freaking luck, man. Are you kidding me? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, wouldn't it be nice if Daryl Morey was able to get six first round picks for Ben Simmons and Damian Lillard? You know, you're just reaching for the stars with these types of statements, man. Mm -hmm. If if they're not willing to attach a first round pick or two to this massive contract, they are kidding themselves, and this is going to be Luol Deng-style levels of just sadness of a guy sitting on the couch but not making just $16 million like Luol Deng was making. Right. $44 million to sit on the couch because I just... The only teams that could pull this off, and I think it's been pretty well documented across a lot of, a lot of uh, this, the, all the NBA reporting sites, is like the Clippers could pull this off the thunder just because they have a billion dollars of cap space still right and maybe the philadelphia 76ers maybe the the 76ers one is more of a it could work if they wanted to make it work but why would they want to gut their team to make it work because yeah. ben, ben simmons makes a lot of money a lot of money not compared to john wall though ben yep. simmons is making 33 million next year which is still 11 million short of John Wall's contract. Are you going to give up 11 million dollars worth of more assets just to offload Ben Simmons and get John Wall? Hell no. Hell yeah. no. Especially without draft capital, man. Unreal. And then for the Thunder, all they want's draft picks. You're not willing mm-hmm. to give up that. Okay, that's conversation over. And so now you look at the Clippers. And the Clippers could do some interesting things. I mean, they have some gaudy contracts on there. I mean, we, we've well documented Morris. those. <laughs> Morris, Luke Kennard, Eric Bledsoe Bletso, is on the books for $18 million. So if you could yeah. package those guys 
and get John Wall, it's intriguing. Mm-hmm. But I'm just I'm very uncertain if that's what they want to do. I'm very uncertain because I mean, in, in my mind, Bledsoe Kennard shove off. You know, Marcus Morris. Maybe he has some value. I, I, Tyron Lou loves Marcus Morris, so I would be very surprised if they were threw him in as well. But the numbers would work, and yeah. we know the Clippers are looking for a second option outside of Paul George with Kawhi being hurt this season. And honestly, if you're looking at it, I mean, you're looking up the rosters up and down. You're like, man, do we really think we can beat the Lakers this year? Do we really think we can beat the Nets this year? Maybe next year's our year. And so next year you get John Wall, Kawhi, Paul George all together for one last go at it if you're a Clippers fan. <laughs> and yeah. you just you just hope that that's enough. That's the only thing I can see working. And I, I, I struggle to know if I would want to try that out, honestly. I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't. That's the thing is I don't see a team who actually wants to win getting wanting to take a swing at John Wall. Like it would be a very desperation move. Yeah. And the Clippers without Kawhi maybe there, but I don't I just don't think they are completely there. I think knowing Kawhi still coming back next year, I think is way better relief than swinging for the fences and getting a John Wall who it's just the health is such a huge question it's mark. Such with a him. huge factor. He, even finally a 100% healthy year, at least from his previous injuries, only netted him 40 games out of 72. Yeah. And oh, granted, it was his first year back. He's right. going to be tender on it. But yeah, he still, he still had injury concerns for sure. I mean, he never looked fully there. And who's you to say who, this year is going to be better? You know who else can possibly get him back? Who's that? Or get him? Uh, the Wizards. Oh, the Wizards have the Wizards can Why bundle up the, the contracts no, they, no, to get stop them it. Back. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> they have the contracts to do it. Can, teams can do it. They won't <laughs> want there's no way in hell they'd want to. These are the only up. three teams that might want to. <laughs> That's true. I guess we could sit here and, and brainstorm you could, teams. Like, but. You could do it for anything. I mean, like the Hornets could probably get him if they wanted to give him like Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre Jr. and like Gordon Hayward. You know? yeah. <laughs> like, we could do that. There's no way in hell they'd want to, though. Yeah, I could. I would love to see the Wizards. Yeah, package up Montrez, Harold, Bertans. <laughs> uh, Just to Kuzma. get John Wall back. <laughs> yeah, those numbers, those work, those oh, numbers work no. out. Oh, yeah. no. I mean, that the only would be I, hilarious. I can't see any team not trying to get Kevin Porter Jr. out of this deal or, or one of right. those young pieces that the Rockets yeah. have. Yeah, the Rockets are probably totally taking Porter Jr., Jalen Green, obviously, and then probably Christian Wood even off the table. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess all three of those guys are not tradable. Oh yeah, especially I I think Christian Woods contract is going to start looking like huge oh, value contract big value, by next man. year. 17 yeah. million, man. That's it. Yeah, look at we're talking about Aaron, Aaron Gordon Aaron getting Gordon. 4 years <laughs> <laughs> versus the it's production of Aaron Gordon contest. versus Christian Wood. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I yeah, totally with you on that, man. That Yeah. Oh god. Is is this Aaron Gordon contract the new Harrison Barnes contract? Oh, totally, definitely. I mean, that's. A, <laughs> I guess they're they're essentially playing the same role, the primary it's, defender. I mean, uh, Harrison defender. Barnes can at least uh, he scores more than. I mean, Aaron Gordon only had nine points a game in the playoffs. It's true. Well, 
in, a, in this world, Barnes has zero, but yeah, you know that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> touche, touche. Yeah, yeah. But moving on from that, we got the midseason tournament, one million dollar cash payout per player on the winning team for a potent, in a potential midseason tournament. I mean, I think the league average is around like four million dollars, <laughs> five million dollars a year. Yeah, so big incentive dollar, for the bench warmers, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the tax rate on this, that's already going to be <laughs> uh, like a good 300K, 400K taken off yeah, the top. True. So, yeah, uh, this doesn't seem very, it's very yeah, flattering. It doesn't seem very flattering. Appealing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've heard it floated around like you get a draft pick, you get money. I, I just don't see anything that I, they're trying, you know, you, you got to float out these ideas, see what sticks. I do think a midseason tournament would be a pretty cool idea. Um, and I'd even do it in lieu of an all-star break, honestly. I, all-star break's kind of pointless, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure if it generates revenue at this point. But <laughs> a midseason tournament would definitely generate revenue. So I'm all in favor of, of getting that replaced. And But yeah, we need to figure out what is actually worth it for the players to put their health on the line for a, a tournament that doesn't involve the nba championship <laughs> yeah i would be interested in in the nba somehow combining bringing divisions back to relevancy and morphing it with the mid-season tournament maybe that'll add some more excitement mm. where you have division teams play out for the number one seed out of coming out of a division or something yeah yeah maybe It'll, yeah bring like make it so like you have some divisional pride because there's really right. like no point in winning like the Pacific Division. Yeah, like what does that even really mean? It I means, mean, it means I, nothing. <laughs> I think hardcore NBA fans like me and you probably. I mean, we break our preview based off divisions, but right, yeah, most people it, don't it even really know what they are. <laughs> right, exactly, and I, and we have to look up every time. It's like, oh, what what division is this team in, or like what division do we want to do next? I don't even know the names of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. No, that's, that, that, that could that could work. I, I like the idea of at least making them meaningful. Yeah, I would like to see them bring it back somehow and tie this back to the Smitsies. Outside of that, uh, it feels tough to see this stick just because at the end of the day, everybody cares about the playoffs and the championship and the Larry O'Brien trophy. Yeah, the championship is just too, it's too important, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> no one wants to risk it for anything but that. Yeah, I mean, the conference championship that seems like the second best thing and nobody really cares about that. We yeah, have no, a hard no, time yeah. ever, ever using <laughs> that as a metric to measure success. So right. uh, I just can't see it sticking. Yeah. Well, keep digging. <laughs> Maybe they'll figure yeah. something out. Yeah. Well, jumping into the Southeast division previews, uh, we got a, four teams to, to preview here. First, starting off with the Atlanta Hawks. Sean, the surprise Cinderella team of last year. They're mm -hmm. back with the same core lineup, potentially better with everybody healthy. Uh, Sean, what do you got for on the Atlanta Hawks? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the surprise team of the East, and a lot of people counted them out getting beaten against the Knicks in the first round and made it all the way to game six of the conference finals against the eventual championship Bucks. So exceeded expectations on all fronts and it, they had a lot of hard decisions to make um not necessarily this offseason but 
I mean, they got a lot of young guys. And so yeah. to keep the core together, um, it'll be really interesting to see what they do in future off seasons and maybe who they choose to keep and who they choose to give the, give the bag to. But in this case, uh, the decisions they've made, I think, is that they're, they're all in on right now. Um, they believe that their rebuild is over and they're sticking with the guys that they have. And I cannot blame them for that, honestly. I mean, we saw that they worked perfectly. They have the perfect coach for this group and the players are all exceeding expectations. And so you get Clint Capella back on a, a two-year, $46 million deal, which for a traditional center in this day and age is quite a bit. Yeah. Very impressive bag for right there for Clint Capella. Really happy for him finding success after so many years with the Rockets. And then this was the big one. A lot of people weren't sure if they were going to bring this guy back, but they they do. They're like, yep, John Collins, you filled the role perfectly for us. You were such an important piece for us on this team. We cannot lose you. Give him four years, $120 million. And that Ooh. that is an impressive amount of money for this man, John Collins, who, I mean... He's had he's been there since the start of the rebuild. He had to take a backseat to Trey Young when he came into the league. And now he's taking a backseat to a lot of these guys that they brought in, like Bogdanovich and Gallinari and DeAndre Hunter. And he's, he's willing to just be whatever he needs to be for this team. Uh, and then they also bring back Solomon Hill for fun. And then Trey Young gets his super max deal. So the gang's all here, um, except for a few a few of these randos that I, I think most people probably wouldn't even know the names of if if you don't play fantasy basketball or you just don't really follow basketball that closely. Wouldn't be surprised if you didn't recognize the names of Tony Snell, Nathan Knight, Brandon Goodwin, <laughs> Chris Dunn, Chris and, Dunn. and Br- Bruno Fernando. Yeah, there goes Chris Dunn. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and then they, they bring in a couple additions, uh, Gorgie Jang, Timothy Lawalu Cabarro. And I, th- I think really the, the main one for them, which I think is a pretty good out, is DeLon Wright. Uh, I think, yeah. yeah, they get get him in a three-way trade this offseason where, where they saw Chris Dunn leave. And I, DeLon Wright, I think, is a big upgrade, um, that backup point guard, backup shooting guard role. We saw him have quite a bit of success with Detroit um, when they saw Killian Hayes go down at the beginning of the season for them. And then he got traded actually to the Kings where he did absolutely nothing of relevance, <laughs> but I mean, no surprise there, but I, I think on this Hawks team, he could actually be a pretty good piece for them. Um, definitely an upgrade from Chris Dunn um, in the draft. They don't really need a lot. So they go with the highest upside guy they can get with their pick at number 20. And they go with Jalen Johnson, the guy from Duke. And man, this guy was highly touted out of high school, top five prospect, and he did not meet expectations. <laughs> and so they're they're banking on him making a recovery in, in the NBA, and, and we'll see what he can do there. And then they get another guy, Sharif Cooper, in the second round. But I mean, as far as the projected starting lineup, it's exactly the same as last year. You bring back all your guys. So you got Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, who is hopefully healthy going into the start of the season. Otherwise, probably throw Cam Reddish in there instead. Uh, and then in the in the front court, you got John Collins and Clint Capella to round it out. So another year for these guys to build some chemistry, get some good wins going in the regular season. I think this team is deep enough to be built to win in the regular season and make another good playoff run. Um, but my X factor is none of these guys actually. Uh, it's actually the the guy who maybe would replace DeAndre Hunter in the lineup is Cam Reddish, man. Yeah. And and this guy gets brought up a lot. And 
we know the upside is there for Cam. We saw it in game six against the Bucks, where they, they did lose in the conference finals, but the only guy that was really showing any heart out there and, and really led the comeback for them, which they, they went out swinging Cam Reddish, yep. man, 21 points on six to seven from three played an outstanding defense, had some amazing sequences there. And the, there's just a lot of question marks still though, because we know he can do this, but can he improve to be a regular season contributor? Because this guy, he yeah. could not stay healthy. He only played in 26 games last year. And because he was so inconsistently playing, he only shot 36% from the field, which we yep. know he's a much better player than that. So if he can become that sixth man slash potentially starting lineup by the, I mean, he has the talent to do it, to make that starting lineup by the end of the year. This guy can become a real difference maker for this team. And if he's able to finally make that leap to what his potential is, this team hits a whole new ceiling. Because now you have Trey Young, you have Bogdan Bogdanovich, you have Cam Reddish, you have so many scorers on this team, and it makes it impossible to defend. Um, but for the time being, I mean, he just has to stay healthy and fill his role on the team. Um, but if we're going by law of averages, I'd say this team's trending about even. Because they didn't really add anything that moves the needle for them, but they didn't lose anything either. Um, some of the guys will develop and get a little better, but overall, I think I think we're looking at a 46 win team here for these Hawks, and who who won 41 games in the short and regular season last year. So I'll, I'll give them about the same. And I think the storyline to follow is just how far can Trey Young go to carry this team? I mean. We've seen what he can do. We've seen him become a face of the NBA, the villain of New York. Yeah. So how far can this kid go, man? He's made leaps and bounds every year, and I want to see if he can keep going with it. I want to see where he can improve. I want to see him become a, a grittier defender. I want to see him just take over games on a night-in, night-out basis. Yeah. Yeah. I, the killer from the South Trey Young really <laughs> upsetting fans of the Northeast, but I think you really hit the nail on the head here. The the Hawks are such an interesting, dangerous team because their debt is just insane. Trey Young mm -hmm. at the guard, the lawn right behind him. They still have Lou Williams too. Yeah, Cuter had some flashes too in the playoffs. Came through. Bogdanovic is still there. Gallinari. DeAndre Hunter versus Cam Reddish. That spot. It's so interesting in a very good mm -hmm. way. You got two players who are both productive. And then, of course, you keep John Collins and you still have the vet and Danilo Gallinari. And you re-sign Clint Capella, who I think, yeah, that's an expensive deal. But the reason you bring him back is because the Hawks are just a dangerous offensive machine, um, you know, <laughs> in the top 10 in terms of offense. But in terms of defense, they're 21st out of the 30th, mm -hmm. 30 teams in the league. So if somebody's going to give you a slight boost on defense, you hope it's going to be Clint Capella. And he has been doing that job. And you just got to hope some of the younger guys see improvements. But from an offensive perspective, there are so many weapons here for this team to sort of cycle through and be a dart that they throw at the dartboard. And one of these guys, I think, can hit bullseyes enough times to where I think 46 wins is a fair amount, just slightly under 60%. And... If any of these guys take a take a big leap, I think it would be crazy, but they could potentially be a Cinderella team again and make it to the conference yeah. finals. I still don't think they make it to the <laughs> finals, but 
shocked but not surprised if they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you, you're picking Cam Reddish to be that guy. I think it could it, he could be that guy. Could mm-hmm. also be Hunter. Yeah. Um, it could be a combination of those two guys alongside Bogdanovic, or maybe John Collins takes another leap forward in his game as well. Yeah, uh, just I mean, dangerous we, pieces. We we can't forget what a great start to the year DeAndre Hunter had last year. It right, was, exactly. It was tragic, honestly, that his season got cut short and he was never able to get back fully healthy. So hopefully this offseason did something for him. It's going to be hard for him to find his groove back, I'm sure. But yeah, this he showed great potential too. Um, just the spoils of Richards for the Hawks right now. This, this season's going to be really fun for them because because of all the depth they have, so many pieces that they can play with. I mean, you you have a project too in Jalen Johnson who can play behind all these guys, and you don't have to worry about him really needing to be a contributing factor this year. You can just kind of have him in the background, and maybe he becomes something, maybe he doesn't. Kind of like what the Nuggets did with Michael Porter. Maybe what they'll right. do with Bol Bol. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe Bol Bol's a lost cause, but I, I like seeing these project players where you know they don't need to play immediately and. Hopefully they get some good development. And obviously the Hawks have done a great job with youth development. Um, right. All these guys have been playing great. And if something just doesn't seem to work out, the the other thing that they this team has going for them is they have tradable contracts in Gallinari mm-hmm. that, and Lou Williams. Um, Bogdanovic, I guess, if you really wanted to stretch it yeah. out and put him there, they can swap these guys out. And these are still productive vets. They can swap out for another missing piece depending on where they see the holes once this season starts. But right now they just they seem well balanced. They just need a little bit more um from somebody. And whether that comes from Cam Reddish, Hunter, Young, or or Collins, we'll see. But I think 46 wins, potentially tier two team. I think that's that's a realistic point for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to go bold and give them more, but yeah, I mean you're just looking at it from a purely like I'm looking at all these teams and they'll probably stay healthy perspective. It's like they're there, but they're not the best team. No. And, and I mean, you've got to punish them still. Like they're offensively great, but defensively they are in the bottom half. Right. 21st. Like they've still got a lot of work to do on that. And so maybe mm. a, a full healthy Clint Capella will help them be better defensively yeah. this year. I think some guys yeah, a, a healthy Cam Reddish will a healthy Cam Reddish will help their defense too. Right, exactly. Um, moving on from there, the Cinderella team of two years ago, Miami Heat, mm-hmm. kind of sort of different sides of the coin here for the Hawks uh, compared versus the compared to the Hawks, but the Miami Heat are looking to reload and have another killer year this year. Uh, and kind of put that COVID-infested year that they had last <laughs> year behind them. I mean, last year, most of their starting lineup missed over 20 games, except for Duncan Robinson, who managed to play the full 72, <laughs> and Bam, who only missed 10 games. But Jimmy Butler missed over 20, 20 slightly more than 20 games. Tyler Harrow missed a whole bunch of the year. Mm. And one of the big midseason trades that they made for Victor Odolipo didn't really end up doing anything for them as Victor only was only able to suit up for like five games before he was out for the rest, the rest of the year. Goran Dragic was also just in and out of the lineups all, all year. So this team really suffered from just the lack of having bodies on the court, but they're back and they, I think they're ready to have a good year. They bring, they, they add Kyle Lowry on a three year, $85 million contract, PJ Tucker. They take Marquise Morris from the LA Lakers 
Uh, so loading up on that guys who have been there and done that in the, in the NBA playoffs departures, Trevor Ariza, Kendrick Nunn and Goran Dragic. no draft picks since that pick was included in the Victor Lipo trade last year. But I think the storyline for their offseason is really committing to this core with the added pieces and mm. committing to Duncan Robinson, five-year, oh. $90 million. I mean, comparing Ooh. it to talking about Jeremy Grant again, Duncan <laughs> Robinson getting a deal almost the same in terms of a per-year basis. Jimmy Butler, four years, $184 million. Ooh. I mean, That's this Sean is a Wall core. Money right there. <laughs> exactly. So this team is committing to this core and really banking that this great team will help them get back into the NBA finals with the starting lineup of Kyle Lowry, uh, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler. I'm putting PJ Tucker in the starting lineup <laughs> and Bam Adebayo running it out in the center spot. In terms of X factor, it's hard to really point to one guy. You could say it's Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo really knifing out a better offensive game on his side, but I really don't see that being the difference. I think to me, the big difference of this team is Robinson and Harold getting back to where they were two years ago, getting back to knocking the ball down and, and knocking the ball down from the clip that they were shooting at two years ago. And Victor Olipo managing to be three fourths of what he, he once <laughs> was because what this team struggles with is they struggle scoring the ball. They are in the bottom half in terms of, ISO play, so they rely on movement and balanced offense, and they need guys firing on all cylinders in order for Jimmy Butler to be at his best and find the guys when they need it. Uh, all of last year, they struggled to score. Two years ago in the NBA Finals, they struggled to score against that Laker team. Uh, really, what carries them is defense, uh, Bam Adebayo being the big anchor of that. But to, in order to make it to the NBA Finals, they got to be well-balanced. And the Eastern Conference is a lot tougher than what it was last two years ago with the Bucks and the Nets uh, and this Hawks team uh, up and coming as well. So they'll need a little bit more balance to get there. Uh, and I think these these additions will help them trend up, especially just because I think they'll have a better year considering how much COVID affected them. So I got them at 47 mm -hmm. wins, just slightly below 60% at Tier 2. Uh, could they make that jump to tier one? I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And the storyline to follow, I think, is Victor Odalipo. Can he save mm -hmm. his career? I feel like we've been putting this line for a couple of years, but <laughs> I really hope he can do something here. And if he can surprise out of the gate, then he might be the, the missing ingredient for the Heat to go from tier two to tier win and win above 60% of their games and get secure home court advantage uh, all the way up until the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, on paper, this is a good team. It's a very good team. Mm -hmm. For me, I would say Tyler Harrow is probably the most important thing. Not not yeah. Odalipo because he wasn't a part of that finals run team. Right. So in a way, he's just he would be like a cherry on top. If they can get Odalipo back in a capacity where he's actually competing and playing well, that will help. But Tyler Harrow sucks right now <laughs> let me be very clear tyler harrow is a bad basketball player below average at best and this dude just goes around like he's the coolest kid on the block because he has all this swagger about him and you know that's all all in good you have to have confidence as an nba player but my god is he not backing it up on the court and it is just painful to watch the numbers that he put up last year 
a sophomore slump would be putting it lightly. Mm-hmm. And so this guy needs to rebound in the worst of ways because they don't have any depth in their bench, really. I mean, you have Odalipo, maybe, once he gets healthy. You have Markeith Morris, who's used to doing nothing on the Lakers. Yeah. And, and so I just, I just don't really think that this team can afford for him to have a bad season if they're going to do what they need to do to win a championship or even get to the conference finals. So for me, I think Tyler Harrow is the most important piece here. He has that identity of being like a guy on the Miami heat, but I don't think he's deserved it. He had a couple of good games in the bubble. And for some reason we like group him in with the core of like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and, and to a degree, Duncan Robinson, but He's not that good. He yeah. needs to prove he's that good. Tyler Harrow has made himself the potential case study of the NBA bubble because <laughs> of how well he did in the bubble and how bad he did outside of the bubble. Right. Uh, so right now he's on pace to sort of be that case study, that pre-post mm-hmm. case study of what happened when players were in the bubble and when they came out of it, being that the effects of no fans you know, the, the storyline in the bubble was like how ridiculous everybody was shooting. And right. there was a normalization <laughs> to, to a degree where people returned back to the mean. But Tyler Harrow really did below that. In the playoffs, yeah. nine points a game, almost 30% shooting from the field, Ugh. 30% shooting from three. This is a guy who shot well over 40% <laughs> uh, in the playoffs all the way through, even against a tough Laker defense mm-hmm. um, in the NBA Finals in he really took a big slump. And I mean, again, he missed over 20 games due to COVID. So I think he has that potentially going for him. But yeah, I do. I do think that like to for, for the Miami Heat to really take a step forward, it's going to take a balanced approach of Harrell, Victor Odalipo, and Duncan Robinson too. Like he had, he was a little inconsistent throughout the regular yeah. season, which is ultimately part of the, also the reason why the Miami Heat suffered and ended up falling all the way down to the seventh seventh or seventh seed i think is where they came out right Mm -hmm. yeah or it might have been six i think it was six seed yeah yeah so no home court advantage for him for them so they need this balance attack to come back and to get themselves that home court advantage in the first round and just get themselves out of how can how can they be considered a serious team and be so far below the bottom half in terms of offensive rating come on you have jimmy butler on your team yeah, exactly. Uh, I got I to gotta ask this just because of the contract numbers. Would you rather have Duncan Robinson or Aaron Gordon? Oh, this is different. <laughs> different. Different tools for different totally situations. Different, totally different. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's a hard, I mean, this, it's not really a fair comparison. Yeah, I mean, this is a shooter's league, and shooters have been commanding money across the board, so... I mean, I got to think in some ways I'd want Duncan Robinson because he can knock down the shot. But in other ways, Aaron Gordon is the better athlete and the better defender. So I think it just depends which which flavor, which flavor mm-hmm. you're 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 craving that day, I guess, or not is needed that yeah. day. All right. All right. That's that's fair. Would you rather have Duncan Robinson or Fred Van Fleet? Oh, I'd rather have Fred Van Fleet. Give me yeah, that. Play, give me that smart, savvy playmaker, because he can also yeah. knock it down. So right, well, I'm taking thing. Fred yeah, Van I mean, Fleet. Yeah, th- like we were talking about, like how last offseason it was like the the 
the shooters off season, right? Where you have like right. guys like Davis Bertans getting a f- like five year, ninety million dollar deal. I think pretty similar to this one, right? It's like I'd probably rather have Duncan Robinson over Davis Bertans. So I guess that's fair. I just it, it's hard for me to justify paying him that much money. I just don't know if he's that good. Yeah, it, it's it's tough, but it's just a shooter. It's just a shooter's league. But yeah, the Davis Bertans. League. Who really knows ultimately how many wins he actually provided the the Wizards? Zero. I don't I'd, definitely I'd say, yeah. zero. <laughs> you swap him out with some other piece, and I think the Wizards have the exact same season. Right. So yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe Duncan Robinson is more than that. I just don't. He he needs to improve his defense. He he is mm-hmm. just he is just nothing out there on defense. Right. Exactly. So we got the Hornets next, Sean. What what's going on with the Hornets? One of our favorite franchises. <laughs> yeah I, I guess so i mean michael jordan's cool and all right right but i mean no this it was a decent season for the hornets last year obviously didn't make the playoffs but at least made the play-in tournament and Lamelo ball ended up being what they needed him to become to be a relevant franchise in the league so now you're going into this season very hopeful that he can continue to improve and continue to be that guy that franchise cornerstone and so when you're looking at it from the Hornets perspective, you're like, well, shoot, we have Terry Rozier. We have Devonte Graham already two guards there. Like there's no room for LaMelo ball there. So we got to mm-hmm. make room for him. And they choose Terry Rozier and they resign Terry Rozier to a big contract. And they let Devonte Graham go and assign and trade over to the Pelicans. Uh, they, they actually let go of a lot of guys on this team. Like a lot, a lot of stalwarts, a lot of classic Hornets. I mean, when you think Hornets, you think Cody Zeller. You think yes. Bismarck Biombo. <laughs> you think Caleb Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also had Malik Monk and, and Brad Wanamaker. And those guys are all gone. And you don't really bring in a lot to replace them. Wesley Wundu, Ish Smith, Mason Plumley, The big one being Kelly Oubre, which... Yeah, yeah, man, I just nah, that does not seem very good to bring him on a two year, twenty six million dollar deal. Seems pretty pricey, but it's all just shows that they believe in LaMelo Ball so much that they they don't care to bring in any playmakers that they're, they're going to ha- put the ball in LaMelo's hands and let him figure it out. Um, so you go and so you, you go pretty high upside in the draft. You draft a guy named James Booknight at 11, Kai Jones in 19, who's, who's a uh, basically a center um we'll see what becomes of those guys i'm not sure that they'll really crack the rotation but your projected starting lineup it, it's a tough one it looks pretty similar to last year you got terry rogier you got Lamelo ball in the backcourt and then gordon hayward there and then i think kelly Oubre is gonna start and I think this is where you might see a divergence where some people be like, oh, they're just going to put PJ Washington at the four. And then instead of Cody Zeller, they're going to put Mason Plumley at the five. I just don't think that's a good recipe for success. Putting Mason no. Plumley at the five is basically asking for a 30 win season. And so I think they're going to go with Kelly Oubre at the four and PJ Washington at the five. And PJ Washington actually played a lot of small ball center for them when Cody Zeller was out last year. And he was very successful. That was actually mm-hmm. probably when he is getting his highest production. So for me, I think PJ Washington should start the year at center for this team. A little bit of a small ball lineup for sure. I think 
between PJ Washington and Gordon Hayward, those are probably the two tallest guys in your lineup there. But I think you make up for it with a lot more playmaking and a lot more offensive firepower. Um, and so it's an intriguing lineup, uh, but I think the X factor here, and it's not a guy that I have in the starting lineup quite yet, but could definitely crack it. I'm not sure. Maybe he, he's very versatile. I'm going with Miles Bridges. And this is a guy that I was begging the Clippers to draft three years mm-hmm. ago. They took, I don't even remember his name anymore. <laughs> the guy that's not Shea Gilgis Alexander. That's for Terrence sure. Terrence Mann? That wasn't Terrence nope, Mann. Nope. Jerome Robinson. Jerome Robinson. Jerome there it Robinson. is. You took Jerome <laughs> Robinson instead of Miles Bridges. This guy has become an excellent NBA player. Mm-hmm. I would I would want Miles Bridges on any team that I was on if I was a GM. And this guy, he, uh, he didn't get that much more opportunity from his third year to his second year. He's still playing about 30 minutes a game, not starting for this team in a lot of situations. But he became a 40% shooter from three last year, 86% from free throw. Doing it across the board, a great defender, super athletic, highlights, dunks, all that good stuff. Great size, six foot six guy, and he's going into his contract year this year. And so he's got a lot to play for. He could potentially make a lot of money for a lot of teams. I, I, I If I was a GM, I would be eyeing this guy like, oh man, if the Hornets don't want to pay this guy, I would give him quite a lot of cash. He is very versatile. He could be a lot for this team. And if he can make a jump, uh, may, maybe supplant Kelly Oubre from the starting lineup. I think that would be ideal for the Hornets, if he is able to get to that next level, become maybe a continue to be that 40% shooter and maybe start get up to average like 15 points a game. I think this guy could be in for a big year and the Hornets would be in for a big year if he was able to contribute more consistently. And then as an honorable mention, I think PJ Washington as a small ball center would be another X factor. If he can make that work, he's also technically in a contract year. Um, but they'll probably look to extend him at the end of this regular season um, if he if he performs well. Um, so a lot, a lot of good young pieces for this Hornets team that could help break out outside of LaMelo Ball. Um, if these guys can improve alongside him, then we're looking at a, a, like a playoff team for the next few years at least. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that they are trending up because LaMelo Ball, I think, is going to be a lot more this year than he was even last year. Um, I, I think... Adding PJ Washington to that center spot is going to help them, and I think Miles Bridges is going to improve. Um, and Terry Rozier seems kind of, you know, he, he's kind of felt found his rhythm here with the Hornets, and I think he found a good home here. So I'm going to give him 42 wins. I'm going to give them a, a winning record. I'm going to give the Hornets yeah. a winning record this season, which that that's saying a lot. I think that I, is I think saying I'm a pretty lot. Bold. It's pretty bold, but. Man, I mean, when you think about it, you're like, what's Lamelo gonna do this sophomore year, man? There, there's gonna be a lot, a lot of eyes looking at him. Can he become an All Star this year potentially? Let's see him improve to 20 points, eight rebounds, eight assists this year, and this team is for sure gonna have a, a winning record this regular season. Yeah, 42 wins is optimistic. Slightly is, above 500. Lamelo Balls, he's he's the real deal, man. But this team for the first time, this franchise overall, feels like it finally has direction. 
Like you're not mm, overstuffed yeah. with big men <laughs> and just a bunch of random redundant young pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think part of the Miles Bridges is here. You know, you let Mikel Bridges go walk away. That's fine. I mean, he was kind of a redundant piece piece there. Cody Zeller, you let him or Malik Monk. I said Malik Bridges or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Combining the two. <laughs> Malik Monk. Cody Zeller, Devonta yeah. Graham was a great find, but again, another mm-hmm. redundant piece. Instead, you stick with Terry and Lamelo. And Terry Royzier, credit to him. I really did not think he was going to have a good year yeah. last year. I thought Devonte Graham and Lamelo Ball were really going to eat up his time, but he still carved out a produ- a lot of production for himself and had a career year. So I think that's why the Hornets brought him back, and I really do see him keep keeping staying on the same wavelength. And with less pieces there, with Graham not there, uh, Malik Monk not there, I think this is this is a this gives the ball, you know, Lamella Ball back into the places I think that he really wants to be in is being that scoring point guard. So I think he he'll find more production for himself this year. So can he be an All Star? Man, mm. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but it does sound doable for this guy, though, especially yeah. In the Eastern Conference, I mean, who's he got to compete with, really? Well, he's got there's Kyrie. There's plenty of comp- yeah, Kyrie, yeah. James Harden. I mean, right. Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, there's plenty of competition. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, if he's gonna, if he can average like twenty eight and eight, I mean, he was what was he fifteen point seven six and six last year? If he can improve like that. I don't see any reason why he doesn't make the all-star game, especially if they're on track for a regular season winning record. Mm-hmm. I still see there being big holes in this team though. Like I think offensively they look nice defensively. I'm just not really sure who, who here is going to be a defensive anchor for this team. And I'm not, I'm not really seeing it with these. Oh, there's names. not a lot of defense. Yeah. No. <laughs> this, so I think ultimately that'll, that'll make them suffer a bit. I Miles mean, Bridges I, is a pretty good defender. I'll give him that. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And I think Lamelo, Lamelo's offensive firepower, Terry Rozier's firepower, and the mixture of some vets and good young up and coming pieces, I think will make for a good season. I still have, I have them trending up too, but I don't quite have them at forty two. And I think I see them more finishing ninth, potentially tenth, making that play in tournament, finishing around 37, 36 wins. Okay, okay that's fair. Uh, see that's the thing is like they won what 33 games last year mm-hmm. 37 would yeah that would put them about even with performance as far as like win percent with the right. extra 10 games so yeah I, I, I'm I'm just gonna be optimistic with them you know see what happens yeah. I, I like I like the potential of a lot of these guys and I'm still bitter about Miles Bridges I <laughs> wish he was a clipper man I think ultimately, though, even though they might finish with closely the same record, I do feel like this team is better. And I think the overall the franchise mm-hmm. is moving in a better direction. So, yeah, which is something that can't be that, you know, can't be said every year for for this franchise. It's been yeah. a rough one. No, this is this is the best situation Michael Jordan's ever had as an mm-hmm. owner. So, yeah, he better not mess this up. Yeah, he's got the better end of the ball, brothers. <laughs> um but anyways, moving on there to the Washington Wizards. Now we're getting to the bottom oh, here. Yeah, but this is there's a lot of movement going on here for you. Yeah, this is this is a very very interesting team. Not they are a little further away from where the Hornets are, even though they might finish closely in record. I think mm. so. The additions of Spencer Dinwiddie, 
KCP, Daniel Gafford, Montres Harrell, Aaron Holiday, Kyle Kuzman, a brand new coach in West, <laughs> Unsell Jr. Departures mm. as they lose Russell Westbrook. Uh, they drafted Corey Kispert. Um, an okay prospect. Uh, nothing flashy. <laughs> sort yeah. of a safer safer pick. Uh, no real big re-signees, but the big acquisition here is Spencer Dinwiddie. And mm. the bundle of players that you got back from the <laughs> Lakers in in that trade for Russell Russell Westbrook. So it's the team here. They obviously have their star, unlike the Hornets, who have a developing star. This franchise has their star. Bradley Beal, second in scoring. I mean, just a total scoring machine in his prime right at this moment. And they mix him up with a couple of of vets from the Lakers, former champs in Kuzma, KCP, former Sixth Man of the Year. Montres Harrell and you have maybe a two really good developing young pieces in Rui Hashimaru and Thomas Bryan who unfortunately had that big season ending injury last year so you're not really sure what you're going to get back so this is such an interesting franchise that I think straight out of the gates the storyline to follow is really the big <laughs> point here I think is what the hell is Bradley Beal going to do mm. and to me, it's like he likely leaves. Like you look at this <laughs> this roster and it's not bad. It's slightly just good enough. It's good enough yeah. to where I think they can get to 500, maybe mm. slightly below, get to the eighth seed. I'm really, really lucky go to the seventh seed, but ultimately nine or eight is where they're, I think they're destined to fall. So I think the question is, does he steer the pot and request a trade or does he sit out? Cause in my eyes, I think he's leaving. I don't think there's any chance he stays in this wow. franchise. I think that's really the thing you actually talk about. But he's the had most. so many, he's had so many chances to leave. Like, he has. Then he never has. So what, what makes it different now? Last year, I think this is the, finally the last year of his contract. He's now get closer to 28 which is like, you know, now you're starting to get to the closer to the ends of your prime. They just made this huge trade <laughs> and the pieces they got back, they're not bad. They're okay. Kuzma, I think is good. KCP, I think is good. Montres Harrell is good, but do you think KCP is good? <laughs> I think he's a starter. You know, he's a good defensive player. He you can knock Kuzma's down a shot. <laughs> I think they're good enough. I think these are good uh, enough players. Slightly uh, above just... average. But nothing impressive here, and I don't think these are the type of guys you're going to be able to swap paired up with somebody else for for another big piece. I mean, Ryu Hushimaro has, I think, has upside, but I don't see it being anything along along the lines of of any of the other young young players in the league. I think the Wizards really, really do need some help as a franchise, inter- and I think Bradley Beal should ask out of this, and likely will ask out of this team. Oh man. It's just like part of me wants to agree with you, but I just he's had so many opportunities to leave. Maybe maybe he is just like you're saying, waiting until free agency next year. He doesn't want it to be some dramatic thing where the Wizards have to trade him or he'll sit out. He you know he he seems like he's a pretty class act. You know he's handled the whole thing pretty professionally up to this point, and maybe he'll see it out. Maybe he likes the guys that they brought in. I just, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is such a question mark because he hasn't right. played in a very long time and we have to see 
how he's doing after that injury. I mean, they definitely paid him as -hmm. if he's going to be a very good player, you know, I think three years, 60 million. Um, Yeah. Which uh, for for a guy that has been sitting out for a whole year, that's a lot of money Um, and and a long term deal, too. So they must have some faith in him. And uh, as far as these Lakers pieces go, it, it pains me to say it, but. For one, I don't think Kuzma's going to be in the starting lineup. I really don't. I mean, yeah, he's, more, he, he's more of a four. I, I think he's just too big to play a three. I'd probably play KCP over Kuzma, honestly, mm-hmm. um, until Denny Advia, Advia can come back healthy um, because he had that hairline fracture at the end of the last season, right. um, which I'm not sure exactly when he's supposed to be back. He probably won't start to start when he does come back though because he'll have to recover from that and he, but and he was okay it's like i'm and he not was okay, just but like you can't yeah. give up on the guy you drafted right. number eight a year ago you know you can't as the wizards but you can as bradley beal <laughs> yes okay <laughs> but like he could have done it last year i just uh yeah i mean ah uh, it's it's so hard to say i mean maybe he likes being the guy i don't know yeah he he's gonna leave at yeah he's gonna leave at the end of the season there's no way he takes that player option yeah um, i think yeah i think he leaves and i guess to do the formality here for this team if there was an x factor it's the depth that they have now they're a more balanced team i'd say than when just when it was just beale and westbrook leading the charge here think you got some solid pieces to either start or come off the bench and harrow kcp kuzma uh you got Spencer Dinwiddie, a pretty good piece next to Beal, but again, I think trending up slightly up to 40 wins, right? Slightly below 500, <laughs> eight seed. Oh, and okay. Do we know if Thomas Bryant's going to be ready for the start of the season? He won't be ready for the start of the season, ah, so Gafford dude. will probably be starting there. Dang, Thomas Bryant, man. So tragic. He's had so oh. many chances to be like a big name, and it, yeah. just, it just never works out for him. I don't know how you can make this team slightly trend up, honestly. <laughs> I think like, the, I think they they have more depth. That's that's really the thing not, here. They it's have not better really pieces. Depth. I mean, yeah. KCP. This is like these are like the scraps the Lakers could scrounge up to make the Westbrook deal work. And like, mm-hmm. uh, it, I, I love Montrezl Harrell more than anybody else, but I just I feel like his time in the NBA is he, he's just becoming a very minimal bench player which mm-hmm. is really sad because i feel like he has more to offer but he's just never getting the opportunity and kcp kuzma see i just don't believe in kuzma i think that's what it really boils down I think, to i think we've like, already seen kuzma's ceiling yeah i think we've exactly. seen his best we've here. seen his ceiling he's like a little bit better than a replacement player but for the lakers last year he wasn't that much more than a replacement player his mm-hmm. defense still needs a lot of work. Uh, his shooting has regressed. Yeah, I I can't see a world where this team is trending up at all. I, like, I, yeah. I, I mean, last year they were starting Moritz Wagner at times. <laughs> <laughs> they were they had I know, Bertans, but they had Russell, they had Russell Westbrook is good. Russell Westbrook is good. He's averaging a triple double for this team to will them into the playoffs. <laughs> I'm just saying this team is definitely better with these with more of these pieces here. And I mean, I disagree. Part of, part of it is also Westbrook was out for a large part of the year last year. That's also right. why they their record was lower than it probably could have been. But I don't know. I guess we're just arguing a bits of bits of games here because no, this team's gonna 33 games. 
33 games. 33 I'm games. Still, I'm putting them at 40. Nah, well, isn't, I'm giving them I, 33. I don't even want to say 40 because I'm also kind of contradicting myself that I'm saying that Beal is going to leave and he's. Yeah, I guess I'm not completely certain <laughs> whether he's going to request this trade or just sit out. But if if all goes to plan and he's there, I got him at 40 wins. I but, think Beal's going to play the whole season and then just. Uh, in, in a very classy way, just be like, sorry, I'm not taking the player option. I'm going to become a free agent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too, but there is a part of me that wouldn't Which, be surprised if he goes the Anthony well, Davis route and forces yeah, I guess that it's trade. Not, <laughs> I guess it's not classy because then you leave the Wizards with nothing. So mm-hmm. maybe you do request a trade so you actually let the Wizards get something for you. Um, yeah. yeah, send him Yeah, maybe, send him he, maybe he will. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh, Sean Wall and Bradley Beal in Houston. <laughs> Swap the two pieces. Oh. Christian Wood and Bradley Beal being the best one two in the West. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, this is just this is a very odd team. It's gonna be yeah. very interesting to see what happens with them, but yeah, Beal will likely request a trade at the trade deadline. I think you're right. But yeah. I, he's not gonna sit out. He's gonna play hard for this team. Let's make this. Let's. I want to see a crazy team make a crazy deal. Like the Sacramento Kings should just take a swinger oh, at Bradley Beal. Something they'd ruin him. They, they'd ruin his career. It's just like they're they never going to so many. Yeah, because they'll never get him in free agency. I'd like never. to see them make a big swing for something yeah. like that. I think the Grizzlies should try to get him. Oh, the Grizzlies. Yeah, dude. John Moran, and Bradley Beal, though. That'd I mean, be they've, nice. they've been acquiring odd assets all offseason. <laughs> maybe maybe they have a shot at him. I don't know. They they definitely need some punch, man. They they are mm-hmm. lacking severely in punch. And Beal, man, Beal Morant would be sick. Yeah, I agree. I want to see one of those teams make a crazy swing for Ben yeah, Simmons or Bradley right. Beal. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, last but not least, maybe least, but the Orlando Magic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, last and least, as we do every week, mm-hmm. the Orlando Magic. And this is, oh man, this is going to be, I guess, in some ways, an intriguing year. In other ways, not. It'll be intriguing for the Magic in that they're going to have some pieces that we really want to see on the court and see how they can perform. And it's not going to be intriguing in that they're going to be awful no matter what. And it doesn't really matter if any of them actually pan out to be pretty good. Like this team as a whole is just awful. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can start with the additions here. Robin Lopez, Etwan Moore. That's what you did with your offseason. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Are you kidding me? Robin Lopez, Etwan Moore. That has to be the worst additions of any team. And you lose. I mean, in their defense, they lose almost nothing. Dwayne Bacon. You remember Dwayne Bacon, Alan? I know you he do. He was a former <laughs> former uh, uh, dra- fantasy basketball sleeper pick slash X-Factor way back in the day. Yeah, two years ago when he was on the Hornets. Enough years have gone by to confirm that he was <laughs> never going to be either of those never. things. <laughs> they gave him the chance to start, too. That's the opportunity he needed. Mm-hmm. Oh, 72 games started 50 yeah, games is so ridiculous <laughs> and then james ennis Otto porter who i forgot was even on this team because he came over in the bulls trade yeah. and then cindarius thornwell so 
I mean, the big thing for the Magic was that they had two top 10 draft picks in mm-hmm. the draft this offseason. And so they got Jalen Suggs at five, which is really good. And then Franz Wagner at eight, who is actually the brother of Mo Wagner, who they resigned on this team. So that's fun. <laughs> is it going to contribute very much this year? Probably not. Um, but they do have some intriguing starting lineup decisions to make, I would say, because they've got a bevy of guards going on i mean i'm i'm not very certain about this but i think i think they're gonna start markel fultz cole anthony to start the season and we'll see about the health of those guys and everything obviously but i think if they're all healthy these are the two they're gonna want to start i don't think jalen suggs is quite ready to be an, an nba starter could likely be by the i don't know first half of the season and then you also got rj hampton there and rj hampton yeah. Very intriguing guy. Was able to put up some pretty good numbers in the last half of the season for the Magic. Mostly coming off the bench, but still playing some good amount of minutes because I mean they're just trying to lose, so they're playing their young guys. And RJ Hampton looked good. So we'll see what they can do with those four guys in all those point guard positions because they're basically all point guards, but some of them are going to have to play the two. Um, and then you also have, so this is, this is the X factor here and the most intriguing piece to me, just for the amount of hype he gets, honestly, and what I don't understand it personally, maybe you can assist me here, Alan, but Jonathan Isaac should be coming back for this team. Maybe not at the very beginning of the season, but likely in the first half of the year. And his health has always been the X factor for this team. He's six foot 11, 230, a perennial defender to, to some, has the potential to be. And they're relying on him to be the cornerstone of this team for them to be relevant again. Jonathan Isaac needs to be their Kawhi Leonard, essentially. That's what they're relying on him to become. And can he possibly live up to those expectations? My mind tells me no, but maybe you can convince me otherwise. No, I think I do think he did put together a string of really good games. And I think his his attributes of being 6'11 and being athletic and quick make him very promising. But I mean, this is back in 20, 2019. Yeah, he put together a really good string of games. And, you know, we only got a little bit of it. I think it's really more hype at this point. It's really mm. overhyped. I think I think they I think it is treated as sort of Jonathan Isaac is already a franchise player rather right. than really yeah. what he is 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 a potential potential corner, I guess potential maybe not even cornerstone. I don't know. He's just a potential like a, number one player on your team. I just don't I just don't see the world where Jonathan Isaac is like your number one option and your number one defender. And I feel like yeah. that's what people are hyping him up to be. I've never seen his offensive game develop to that point. He's obviously an elite defender when he's healthy, but that's like, that should be your second or third best player on your team. That can't be your franchise. Yeah. Player. I think to me, really the big thing for this team is Jalen Suggs. I think Jalen mm. Suggs has the potential to be a really good NBA player. And I think he's going to follow a lot of, sort of what a lot of rookies do where he comes out of the gates really slow, but I wouldn't be surprised if he puts together a really nice last two months of the year and takes up a starting spot Hmm. and holds onto it pretty well. I think I'm more hyped about to see Jalen Suggs and 
Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> yeah, Maybe Jonathan I, I, Isaac will fair. prove me wrong. Uh, yeah, uh, we hope he does, honestly. That would be really mm-hmm. cool to see him really become an NBA star. But yeah, I, I agree. I think Jalen Suggs has more potential at this point than Jonathan Isaac. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's going to be hard, though, because you know he's got a lot of competition at that guard position. I mean, yeah. Markel Fultz is back, is back. Cole Anthony showed some pretty good stuff in his rookie year. RJ Hampton as well. And Jalen right. Suggs has got some really good competition with these young guys, and any of them could make that next jump so it will be interesting to see how they kind of do the rotations too because having four guards in that rotation and playing them enough playing time to really prove their stuff is going to be it's going to be an interesting puzzle yeah none none of them are old too none of them are old they want all these guys to develop Mm -hmm. so it's like and it's like at the end of the day it's like you really only want two or three of them like four of them like that's too many. You know, you're not going to have a competitive team having to play four guards equal minutes, right? Like you you need guys that can play 30 35 minutes a game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's a, it's an interesting spot the Magic are in, but I think they they did well getting Jalen Suggs at 5 and France Wagner at at 8. And they got Call Anthony. I think a lot of these names are are good so i wouldn't say not all hope is lost for the magic i think they're in a better spot than they're maintaining that core yeah. they had that was consistently maybe. getting them only to the ninth <laughs> or eighth seed right so maybe yeah maybe in the long term they're in a good spot in the short term they're in a terrible spot yeah um, they might be oh, one of the worst yeah. if not the worst eastern conference team maybe second they might worst be. maybe so, yeah, i mean yeah they're yeah, i mean we yeah <laughs> um just to round out the starting lineup uh a couple other young guys uh chuma okiki he had mm-hmm. some good games for them at the end of last season too, and then Wendell Carter Jr. Um, obviously at that center spot that they got in that Bulls trade. And so, as far as projected win total, I'm gonna give them 21 wins, which is the same amount of wins that they got last year, but they're gonna have 10 extra losses on top of that. So, yeah, I don't think they're gonna get much better than that. And then. I think the question is like, what what is this team gonna look like at the end of the season? Are they going to make any moves to bring in a guy like a Ben Simmons midseason, or are they fine just developing their young guys for a few years, collecting high lottery draft picks, hoping some of these guys pan out in the NBA stars? Um, they, that's basically their two paths right now, and I'm not really sure which one they're gonna take yet. So it'll be interesting to see which which path they follow. Yeah, I don't think they make any moves. I think they ride this wave and see who who pans out. And mm. I mean, they got I'm sure they're pretty stoked to have gotten Jalen Suggs again at number five. I think for me, I'm yeah. gonna be following whether this guy's I think he's gonna be a lot better than than what people think. So yeah. I, I'm excited what, what, to what see you, what he develops. Give give me a give me a projection for his, his stat line that you think he'll have by the end of the season. Second Let's half see. stat line. Uh, I'm trying to think. What well, what did Cole what did Cole Anthony put put together last year? Uh, yeah, off the top of my head, no idea. You think he'll match Cole Anthony? You think? I'm trying to gauge at the baseline of what that he got. So he got yeah, he got third. I could see I could see Jalen. You know, 14 points. I could 14? see him going 14 points, 44 percent shooting. Um, three point shooting will probably be awful. Probably around <laughs> 33, but. Okay. I I could see him going 14, 14, 4, and 4. That'd be pretty decent. 44% shooting. It's pretty good. 
And I think he closes it off with a pretty good last two months of the year. Will he be starting by the end of the year? I think he's starting. He's going to be starting. Very I guarantee it. Who who is going to be starting? <laughs> Who's going to be starting alongside him? Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz. I think Cole Anthony gets demoted. Sorry, Cole. It's yeah. It's so interesting. All these yeah. guys have so much upside. I'm very tempted to say it's going to be the bench guys. Honestly, I think RJ Hampton and Jalen Suggs might be the starters by the end of the season. It could be. I mean, Markel Fultz might struggle. With, I mean, it's hard to say that. But I mean, Markel Fultz has been struggling with this health, and maybe, maybe he does end up getting pushed out of the starting lineup for that reason. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I think Jalen yeah. Suggs, either way, will be in that starting lineup. Yeah, some interesting pieces for a team that's so far down the barrel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Training down, twenty-one wins, Sean. I think I'm I'm around there with you. I think it's hard to yeah. disagree. I think <laughs> under twenty-five for sure. Mm-hmm. slightly above 20 i don't think they'll go down into the deep depths of losing <laughs> loserhood where it's under 20 wins i think that's reserved for special teams like the thunder yeah i just, I, Cavs, just don't, I, I don't see them being in a spot where they feel the need to tank so much to try to get to the thunder's level because i i think the thunder are gonna have like 15 wins next year mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they're not gonna be like the rockets trying to keep their pick at all no. Um, yeah. Well, anyways, all this talk of losing, I think, brings us to the close of the podcast. A shout out to to winners, guys <laughs> who have done special things in the game. Shout out to the basketball hall of famers who were inducted this week: Chris Bosh, Paul Pierce, multi time defensive player of the year Ben Wallace. He's missed out on a couple ballots. So Chris Bosh, Paul Pierce being first ballot hall of famers: Ben Wallace and Chris Weber who after a couple times have now finally made it into the hall of fame so shout out to these guys well done well deserved i think out of all these guys though i i'm happy to see ben wallace crossover i think that, <laughs> yeah. that is a little disrespectful that he didn't make it after a couple times so is any part of machine. you is any part of you unhappy that paul pierce is on this list <laughs> <sighs> I'm just annoyed that he's on there, but he's deserving of it. But yeah. I've just have never really been a Paul Pierce fan. And mm-hmm. I didn't even listen to his Hall of I've listened to all these guys' Hall of Fame speech except for Paul Pierce. Except for Paul Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. But yeah, Chris Bosch, I think, super deserving, man. Um, mm-hmm. This dude had a great career, got his titles. All these guys are deserving. You said it. Yeah, this is a good, this is a good class. Yeah. Uh, Chris Bosch probably also had the best speech. He's a, I didn't realize how well-spoken of a guy he was, and mm. I hope I hope we get to see him on broadcasts on broadcast channels a couple of times. It would be nice. Yeah, to, uh, and they got to yeah. replace Paul Pierce still, right? <laughs> yeah, got to replace Paul Pierce. Got to replace Chris Weber on TNT. So maybe Chris Bosch could slide in and take one of these seats. But yeah. Anyways, thanks everybody for tuning in. We That was the Breakdown Southeast Division, and we'll continue breaking down all NBA teams until we round out to the start of the NBA season. So thanks, everybody. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everyone.